Hey there, this is Dee Yvonne Rivers, your host for Birth Moms Real Talk, a podcast where you will hear the journeys of birth mothers who have placed children in adoption and also have some emotional and tough conversations, or you may say hot topics about adoption. Listen in. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Dee Yvonne Rivers, host of Birth Moms Real Talk podcast, platform where birth mothers get to share their stories, their journeys, and all the things that made them a mom and all that they went through. I'm so happy to have as my guest today, Alicia. Alicia, you want to share your journey beginning where you choose to start? Well, thank you so much for having me and thank you for having a place where we get to use our voice and share yeah. our stories. This yeah. is fantastic and needed out there. Great, great. Uh, let's see. So when I was 17, I learned I was pregnant. And okay. at that point in time, I was already on my own. I was going to college as a PSEO student, um, had an apartment, and was already not quite making it on my own, was trying really hard, but I was under no illusions that adding a baby to that circumstance was going to magically make it easier. Wow. And At 17, go back. You are already on your own. I was. I was. Wow. And being on my own at that point was a really good decision for me. That was the healthiest place for me to be. Okay. But I couldn't add additional stress to it when I was barely scraping by. Okay. And in some ways, that was a benefit to me where I know a lot of other women can struggle with maybe I could have done it. Maybe we would have been okay. And it was very clear to me we were not going to be okay. okay. I was barely okay on my own. So it was maybe a little bit easier for me to know that we wouldn't make it, which mm -hmm. definitely changed how many options you have to work with. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So how was it? First of all, you were already on your own at 17. So let me ask for us, how do you get to be at that independence at that particular age? Um, not, well, none of it goes the easy way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But uh, my sister ha had invited me to live with her for a couple years which was a huge help, right? When I needed a great place to go, she and her husband, and I mean, they were young, they were 21. Uh, they let me move in with them and she really got me going. She helped me get, get a new job, helped me set up a bank account, helped mm -hmm. me figure out how can I finish high school somewhere? How can I get into college early? She really helped me get on my feet and taught me a lot of those life skills that, mm -hmm. A lot of kids are learning at age 20, 24, 26, right, right. and I got a crash course in it. Mm, wow. Which sort of prepared you for this new situation, did it not? It did. It, it did two things. It helped me so that I could get by, but mm -hmm. it also showed me how very much I didn't know. Mm -hmm. A lot of kids, when they're 18... They're fairly certain they know it all. Mm -hmm, <laughs> you know, that's, mm -hmm. a, that's a pretty common uh, yes. 18 to 21, you know yeah, it all. Yeah. And by being thrust into the deep end of things, I was keenly aware of how underprepared I was and how okay. much I did not know, okay. which, again, was kind of helpful in the decision-making process. Mm -hmm. Now, I heard you say at 17, you realized that you were pregnant. So leading up to that, uh, how did you get pregnant? 
I was head over heels in love with a boy. Um, he was 24. He uh, ended up moving in with my sister and her husband and me and their kid mm. into our little apartment. Because um, he wasn't working, didn't have a car. Was mm-hmm. was just my my brother in law was thrilled that a guy three years older than him was living on his couch. Um, so we, uh, I know that was sarcastic, <laughs> but at, I I was I was head over heels. I I saw none of these as red flags. Wow. I just thought it was wonderful that he could see how mature I was. Oh wow! Right, so a, a Ro- lot of rose colored uh, glasses. Or did you have absolutely. those? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. <laughs> when, Rose-colored glasses, all red flags just look like flags. Mm. Yep. And uh, he, uh, I, I was thrilled that he could that he could see how mature I was for my age, and a lot of textbook one hundred and one. Mm-hmm. Gosh, we can we can guess a lot about your past based on the decisions you're making at that right. point. <laughs> right, right. So when you found out you were pregnant, so what was the situation with him then? Um, we had already broken up. Okay. And uh, so when I found out I was pregnant, we had broken up maybe two weeks earlier. Mm. I called him. uh, We got together. I told him in person. And his response was, okay, uh, I will pay for an abortion if you want one. Or we could get married if you want to when you turn 18. But I sure as heck am not going to pay for child support. So don't even try. Mm. To which I thought, gosh, marry me now. What a romantic proposal. Uh, so. Did you really for sure? No, I didn't. All right, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that clue me in here, Alicia. Now, what is real or what is not? Uh, okay. No, I absolutely <laughs> did not. It was, it was, it, it realized that I, um, and I'd already known that this was not, um, this was not going to be a supportive environment. Okay. And, okay. and I, I'm saying some pretty harsh things about him, and he's not a bad guy, but mm-hmm. he wasn't. He wasn't in any sort of stable position mm-hmm. when I knew him. Mm-hmm. Perhaps he is now. I don't right. know. Right. Um, but he he wasn't a bad guy, but definitely was not somebody I could count on to say, all right, let's go build a family and a life together. Mm-hmm. So I knew I, whatever I did next, I was doing it on my own. And uh, I, did, I went to a free pregnancy clinic mm-hmm. and they had all sorts of shame and agenda and everything they wanted mm-hmm. to throw on me, mm-hmm. which I'm like, oh, and mm-hmm. then I went to a pro-choice clinic where I got the same. I got a whole bunch of shame on you for even considering bringing this kid into the world and agenda and everything they wanted to throw on me. And mm-hmm. it really burned all of my opinions on anybody who claims that they support women when they are wow. facing a pregnancy that wow. they are not sure about. Yeah. So, but that's I, all I true. Find... That's all truth you're speaking when you say for us throwing the shame and the guilt and all the words, the words. Because I think about what you just positioned is that you're 17 year old, you'd been pretty much independent. Now you're in the situation of making a decision. And did you feel listened to at all? Did you feel heard? Only by my sister. At okay. that point, she's the only person in my family who I had told, and okay. she was whatever whatever you need. You tell okay. me what decision you're going to make. Okay. But from anybody who was supposedly in this role as a professional or in mm-hmm. some capacity to represent me, absolutely mm-hmm. not. 
No, they knew exactly what they thought I ought to do Mm -hmm. and were very blunt in telling me so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so receiving all of that, how were you processing all of this and how did you move forward? I'm very stubborn and I don't really (laughs) like to be told what to do. (laughs) So I decided that none of these people were worth my trust. Mm -hmm. And I went online. I started poking around online saying, what, what do other birth moms think? What do adoptees think? Mm. I tried to find any voices I could out there. And this was in 1999. Okay. I was so that's when that was. Okay. Yeah. There, there were some forums, but mm-hmm. definitely not the groups full of advice that you would find today. Right. So I was on different forums and mostly the feedback. I, I asked very specific questions. Like mm-hmm. I, I knew that a lot of do- adoptees had a lot of heartbreak Mm-hmm. And I knew some of the some of the words like the the primal wound and things like that. Right. So I had asked, you know, if your birth parent could do it differently, what should they do? Mm-hmm. And the feedback I almost always got was they shouldn't do it. They should mm-hmm. not place me. Mm-hmm. And I asked birth parents, if you could do it differently, what would you do? And that was largely their feedback, too. I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And but knowing how many options I had to work with. Right. I had to try to sift through those and mm-hmm. tell myself, okay, there's got to be a skewed sample here, right? Mm-hmm. That that I am specifically going to forums to ask the people who are also on those forums. Mm-hmm. And the people on the forums are the ones who most likely did not find peace in their own story. Mm-hmm. That the ones who are hanging out here at 2 a.m. with me are also heartbroken or right. searching or something didn't go right. So I tried to tell myself there's got to be other people out here who have had some sort of successful experience and are at peace. And that is why they are not here responding. Mm-hmm. I don't know how true that is, but that's that a good, good for my mindset at the time. That's a good rationalization, as you say, is that your audience that you're talking to will not only skew, but will tell you for is what direction that they went and where they are right now. So what was your next step after that? I tried to sort through and gather from anybody who was willing to give me advice other than don't do it. Mm -hmm. I tried to put together as much information as I could. And I learned really quickly that adoption agents are not the people that represent me, even Mm -hmm. though they say they are, Mm -hmm. that the crisis pregnancy people are not the ones representing me, that there is nobody representing me. And so when I could find somebody online who gave me good advice, I just started compiling it and and started to write myself a, okay, here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to find a family. I know that if they say it's going to be open, that that's not legally binding. So I need Mm -hmm. to find a family that is also equally dedicated to an open adoption. Mm -hmm. I know that agents don't necessarily like that setup. So I need to find an agent who's willing to work with me. Mm -hmm. I, I really tried to build a plan. And then once I had a very clear idea of how I wanted to structure an adoption that I felt would be very best for my kid Mm -hmm. and for me, then I started to look for a family who also wanted that setup. Okay. Sounds like you were definitely looking for what, number one, what your rights were to abide by your wishes. And putting those two together, because I believe that's something that a lot of moms in the very beginning don't know what rights they have. Just as you mentioned for us, choosing your own agent or your own person who would represent you based on your wishes, not on what their wishes are. 
And it should not be that hard to find your rights or, right, and right. especially when you don't know the questions to ask, mm-hmm. you don't know how many rights you don't have because mm-hmm. it didn't occur to you mm-hmm. to ask these things. Right. Um, right. And I, I think that's a huge flaw in how adoptions are conducted that right. they say, well, you never asked. Well, you don't know what you don't right. know. That, if right. you are representing somebody, that is not how you represent yeah. someone. And just as you mentioned, even in 1999, you're looking at, okay, what have people learned over the decades that they could have compiled, as you say, answers without you having to ask them? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So once you, you then went searching for a family who would abide by and wanted the same wishes that you had, right? So how did you do that? How did you do that? Well, so I did start with an agent um, at at a traditional agency, and I Mm -hmm. looked through their profile books. And at the time, I knew a family personally who I would never add my child to their dysfunctional home. Mm -hmm. And I knew that they were also trying to adopt. Mm -hmm. And I knew that on paper, I might choose them, that they Mm -hmm. would look perfect. And that idea just terrified me. Like, how am I ever going to be able to see through this? So describe to me what you mean by on paper, they would look well, but you knew them personally and you knew they would not. So what was the disconnect? Well, I think it's because you can choose what you put in the profile Uh and it's, it's like writing a nice resume. I can turn all of my flaws into positives Mm -hmm. when I write it on my resume Mm -hmm. and you can do the same thing when you write a profile book and you in the little snippets that you get to know a family, you might get to know all this information or you mm-hmm. might not. And it, it just scared me so much. Uh-huh. So I wanted to shift my approach and try to find somebody that somebody knew. I wanted okay. either somebody like references, family someone or, who could re- reference. Yep. Okay. A recommendation from mm-hmm. somebody I knew and trusted. I did not want to choose a stranger. Okay. Okay. So that became you looking for references of people to recommend people to you? And my mom, who was very Catholic, she wanted me to talk to her priest. She had a priest who she loved, who had been very supportive of her. And at that point, I had zero interest in talking to another religious leader who had ideas about what I ought to do. Mm-hmm. And so, I, but to humor her, she was being supportive of me. I had moved back in with her. And I said, okay. And he was probably the only person in a professional role who really did listen, who uh, he very sweetly asked my mother to leave the room right away Mm -hmm. and said, I don't know if you're planning on adoption because you think you have to, or you think it's the only right option. Mm -hmm. But if you want to keep your baby, we'll figure it out. We'll get you some social resources. We'll get you on some rent assistance. If you... If this is not what you want to do, mm-hmm. there are other options open to you. And I just am so thrilled that somebody said that to me. Uh, um, yeah. And at that point, I needed to be able to say to myself and to say out loud, it's not just money. Mm-hmm. It's, it's skills. It's mm-hmm. ability. It's mm-hmm. I have seen some beautiful families, and I don't know how to create a family like that. And uh. I have seen really amazing parents and I don't know how to be a parent like that Mm -hmm. and I have so much to learn and there's no possible way I'm going to do it fast enough to serve this child well that I I that it was not money alone Mm -hmm. and he said okay 
then let's bring your mom back in and let's let's make a plan. Uh, so he had hooked me up with a family that I had started talking to. I mm-hmm. really liked them. They were a good fit. Um, but right as I started talking to them, a cousin of mine came forward and said they'd been trying to conceive for many years mm-hmm. that it was probably not possible them and would I consider them. Mm-hmm. And that was such a relief. Somebody in my own family okay. who I knew personally, who I had known for years mm-hmm. then. And I know some family adoptions don't go well, um, but ours went beautifully. So okay. uh, when they came forward, I went, yes, yes, I, I am into this. This is the route I want to chase. Okay. So you felt at peace with that. I did. And, and I was skeptical the first time we talked. I I told him, I said, I have three basic rules that you have to be on board for before I even consider you. Mm-hmm. I, the first one is she will not go into foster care. I know mm-hmm. it's a standard in the state that I was in. I was in Minnesota mm-hmm. that for the first 14 days in Minnesota, I had a 14 day window to change my mind. Mm-hmm. And I and usually they go into foster care during mm-hmm. that time. And I said, mm-hmm. I don't want her in foster care. If, mm-hmm. if I can trust you for 18 years, you can trust me for 14 days. Right. And right. I said, adoption will never be a secret. This mm-hmm. is not something you're going to spring on her when she turns 12. Mm-hmm. And I want to be involved. I want to know her. I want her to know me. I want us to have an open relationship. She knows my role. I don't want a fake okay. title. Okay. I want to be a part of her growing up and have her have as many answers as she wants her whole life. Go back, talk to your wife, consider this. Mm-hmm. And if you're on board for all these things, then let's talk about it. I, I love the fact that you were very clear in what you wanted. And also the point of what you said to the priest is not about the money. Because if you think about it, suddenly if 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 a young girl at any age is pregnant, then if suddenly a windfall comes, then everything's okay. No, <laughs> no, it is that whole picture. But I like the fact also you were very as a distinct enough to know all the things, because obviously you had pre-thought about what would have been the issues of, of being in that 14-day foster care, even the state stature or not, them knowing, not knowing about you and knowing your role. And you think, I say thinking ahead, because I think we see now situations when adoptees had not been told that they adopted and they don't know, and suddenly they find out, and that's where the true roller coaster, the trauma, and all of that is happening. So again, I say, good head on you, Alicia. Good head, <laughs> good thoughts, good thoughts, good thoughts. Okay. So once they came back and said they agreed to everything? Yep. And they, and they basically said they didn't want it any other way. That's okay. exactly how they would want to do things. Okay. And then we started talking about everything. Yeah, all the different ways that they might consider parenting, all the all the nitty gritty okay. questions. I decided, and and I was very blunt about it that I'm not going to be polite. I'm going to be nosy, but I feel it is my job as as the carrier of this kid. At that time, I wasn't comfortable using mom. Because you know, I, I was going to ask you that when you said carrier versus mom, you weren't comfortable. Why? Why? Why well, do you think you weren't comfortable? Partly it was the messaging at that time, right? Everybody's saying, try not to consider yourself a mom or it'll make it harder. Well, I learned later, that's total BS. It it totally- Is that what you were told? Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
And um, and I and partly I was trying to set up my own walls mm-hmm. to see if I could protect my heart a little bit. Mm-hmm. Totally did not work. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. <laughs> not. All that. Most hurt. of those things I think we heard at that particular time. It's like you know, move forward. You know, just you get another life and you forget all about. Them. They just lied. That's all they did. <laughs> that was never. <laughs> yep. And they're saying it was never the case. Right, and they, right. It was only the case for people who could close their eyes and pretend like they didn't yeah. do that sort of damage to the yeah. young girls that they loved. Yeah. But yeah. No. So I was trying. And, um, but I felt like it was my job to protect her and find her the very best family. So I asked everything I ever wanted to know. Mm-hmm. And they were so um, willing. To okay. answer the questions, and okay. they didn't, they didn't get bristly about it. They didn't start thinking this is none of your business. They reacted like, "Yes, this is exactly your business, mm-hmm. and you should be asking these things." Mm-hmm. And that kind of interaction meant they were the right family for me. Right, and right. it. But I did barely knew his wife. And it was her that I needed to build a good relationship with. And mm-hmm. that went a long way. Mm-hmm. You know, all those things you just said before is they wouldn't have it any other way. That's the adoptive family. Well, actually, the Facebook Live we did today, we had the triad one. So it was adoptees, birth moms, and adoptive. And what came out that adoptees were saying is that they wanted that transparency. And one even said they wished their adoptive um, parents them about their past and their 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 birth family and all of that whereas so many times it's kept secret and when you keep something from someone they wonder and they'll make up their own things versus getting the truth and we don't keep secrets about things we're proud of right we right. only keep secrets about things we're ashamed of. Right. So if we want to teach kids that adoption is nothing to be ashamed of, mm-hmm. then you don't get to keep it a secret. Exactly. It's not the hush hush. You you willingly talk about it. Yep. Willingly talk about it. Okay. So yep. um after your um was your daughter your daughter was born. So yes. moving so how how did it work out at, from the time she was born, that you've been in a life and, and just how is that working? So we got to see each other about two or three times every year. Uh, We would see her around Mother's Day, which is close to her birthday, and then again around Christmas. And if there was a family wedding or something, then we'd Mm -hmm. see each other then too. Mm -hmm. And every visit was wonderful and horrible. It was Mm. days of anxiety leading up to it, just heartbreak. The issue didn't even know who I am. Will I even recognize her? I want to show up with a gift. For her birthday, but I don't know what to get her because I don't know her that well. And I know mm-hmm. how fast kids change and maybe she doesn't like this anymore. Right. Just this crazy mm-hmm. anxiety to go. Right. And then I would see her and I would love the visit. And then I'd get in the car and I would cry the whole way home. Yeah, <laughs> and I would just I be a mess for days <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. And this was every visit for 18 years. Wow. <laughs> that did wow. not change. Yeah. Is that a roller coaster? Yes. The emotions, the emotions are there. And and that's along with you having that open adoption like you want. Right. This is the best case scenario. Yeah. 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 You know, and, um, and it comes up with, with moms and, and them deciding. And I, I emphasize the fact of 
you have a right, you have a decision and whatever it can work best for you and your child. Those are the priorities I would see with that. So have you been able to, or she's, she's out, so 18 now. So she knows her heritage history. Did you share that with her, the different visits or how did she really know about who you were and all of that? So her parents have been straightforward with her from the start. Okay. Uh, and when she was about four, her aunt was pregnant and she asked her aunt, who are you going to give your baby to? Wow. Because in her world, that's how families were made, right? That Her default mindset was her story. So she okay. knew it and she had to learn that that wasn't the default mindset. Okay. 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 Yep. So she's always known. She's always known about me. Um, she has a little sister from China and uh, she always knew about her story that they cannot know who the birth parents were because of the legal system at the time. Mm -hmm. And so she's always had the full picture and her parents were very straightforward with her. Okay. Uh, now she's almost 21. Okay. But what I learned when she was about 18 was that even though we had years of connection and being able to answer questions, she and I were still uncomfortable around each other. Mm -hmm. There was a there was a draw to want to have a closer relationship, mm -hmm. but I didn't quite know where all of my boundaries were. And I always tried to be really, really careful around her mom and try mm -hmm. not to overstep. Mm -hmm. And she, I don't know if she could pick up on my hesitation and interpreted that, but I clearly wanted to be there, but I was also a little pulled back from her. Mm -hmm. But she was also wanting more, but equally uncomfortable. So when she was about 18, we started having some conversations, just her and I, on the ball's in your court, kid. Uh, mm -hmm. It's been in your parents' court up to now, but now it's yours. So what do you want? Do you, if you, if you don't want to see me, that's okay. If you don't want to talk to me, that's okay. If you want more, that's what I want. Uh, and tried to let her drive what kind of relationship she wanted. Do you think it was her loyalty to her um, family? I think that was a big part of it. Okay. She absolutely, her parents are wonderful and she absolutely does not want to hurt them. Right. And, right. and yes, it, I mean, the, the amount of openness that her mom held for me mm -hmm. hurt, it hurt her mom and, mm -hmm. and I could see it. And I appreciate that she was willing to do it anyway. She right. was willing to sacrifice some of her own comfort for the sake of her kid, which is something that. Her mom and I had a lot in common over. Exactly. I, I was going to say that. You're the birth mom. She's an adoptive mom, but it's your kid, your child, your daughter. And you do what's necessary for the sake of her. Forgetting everything else I'm going through. And, and I, I go back to had conversations with other moms and saying, you, this, I don't want to say sacrifice, but the pain that and trauma and grief that birth mothers go through, it's not because we wanted to, but we because we knew we needed to give that. And and it's not like the placement was not loving. It was real love. It Absolutely. was the real love. The real love. You will you will do anything, anything for your child with that. So how is it now? So when you say boys are boys, balls in your court now, her being an adult and so forth. So is she easing up a little? Or are you feeling more comfortable around each other? 
Yes. So the okay. last few years, we've definitely shifted uh, the ability to have our own relationship mm-hmm. outside of her parents, mm-hmm. I think made it easier for us to connect without harm being done, right? Or with less harm being done, because it does hurt to see right. that close up. Right. Um, so uh, we we talk to each other all the time. We have kind of a regular scheduled phone call. For a while, to open the door and kind mm-hmm. of get started, mm-hmm. we wrote letters back. Okay. And so she was willing to play ball for a while. So I wrote and basic letters, letters that said things that she would already know if she had grown up in my home. Mm -hmm. Um, These are the things I liked in school. This is how I like to spend my weekends. Right. Uh, This is how often we cook versus go out. Nothing big and big or devastating. Just Mm -hmm. the little things that you would feel like you knew if somebody was in your home. Right. And I felt right. like if we knew that level of detail about each other, uh-huh. maybe some of this awkwardness would go away. I, I think something sometimes that um, we in the adopt and adoption triad forget, we're getting to know a person. We assume we know them because we gave birth to them. We don't. And when you mentioned for us in writing letters, when you meet someone who's not your child, who's outside of that, how do you get to know them? Conversations, phone calls, letters, or whatever. And I like what you're saying. Share with her how you grew up, what was in your home, because you're sharing about yourself. And and I, I truly believe that breaks barriers of and creates intimacy because you get to know that person. And it's not just one time, but when it's a consistency of them reading. And I like the fact you have letters because you can always refer back to it. Oh, her favorite color is pink. And she did this when she was in seventh grade and all of that. That's wonderful. Yeah. And that that idea that I think that's part of the disconnect is the feeling, the emotion, the intimacy can be so strong, Mm -hmm. but without the information in the context to back Mm -hmm. it up. And Absolutely. so it, it feels disjointed. You shouldn't feel that strongly about someone you barely know. Right, right. But the feelings are there. They're there. Their feelings are there. And you can't deny them. You know, I I, I tell the story all the time that, that day that my, my son and I had talked before we met in person. But that day we met, it was like 45 years just disappeared. And I had not seen him in 45 years. But, you know, the hug itself is like we were in sync with it. And that was because we got that connection and, and those emotions were just that deep, just that deep. So we can't negate. And then you probably people have probably heard me say this is that that birth bond birth bond that you had when you when your child was born, that never is broken. You may not be with your child, but that birth bond will always be there. That doesn't change. You will always be her mother. Yep. Yep. No matter what. Exactly. No matter what. And I say no matter what because there are situations and we talked about today on Facebook on whether um sometimes the child wants to be with the biological family or not. Or the mom has not, and going through the trauma, if they're not having an open adoption, has been closed, or whether they have the strength and able to go through their stuff and get their help to meet their child. So this, and it's lifelong, okay? This is not going to go away at 18, 24. My son will be 49 this year, okay? So it's a <laughs> lifelong. And it's different aspects, different segments of whatever, because we have an adult relationship. So it's not like he's under 18 and so forth forth and whatever. So we have an adult relationship. So that's how we're moving to really get to know one another. And that that's a lifelong process. 
It is. Lifelong process, definitely. During this process, one of the things I realized is part of where her pain was coming from Mm -hmm. was she was getting to know me now. Well, Mm -hmm. now I'm stable. Now Mm -hmm. I've had years and years of therapy. I've Mm -hmm. been on the correct Mm -hmm. antidepressant for many years. I'm married. I have a great job. I have Mm -hmm. a home. I'm solid. Mm -hmm. And so for her to see me now and say, you could have kept me. Mm -hmm. And for me to go, I, 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 I get why that's, why that's what you see. Yeah. And so yeah. I tried. Um, I, I, I didn't necessarily want to do it, but I decided I, I need to. So with many, many bottles of wine, mm-hmm. I sat down and I tried to write out her story of when I was pregnant, who mm-hmm. I was at 17, mm-hmm. why I felt that I could not raise her at that time. Right. And I tried to write it out. I tried to put her there so that she could mm-hmm. get to know my 17-year-old version of mm-hmm. myself. And But then I did that, and I'm like, this is a horrible, terrible story that I don't want to give her. <laughs> so I wrote the next piece, which was, and then it broke my heart. And and I it was full of grief and full of heartache. I'm like, I can't leave the story here. Mm-hmm. So then I tried to write about the healing and how I patched mm-hmm. it back together. Mm-hmm. So I ended up putting a book together that mm-hmm. she she allowed me to publish. And okay. I let her and her family decide whether or not this could, if they were comfortable with this all right. the public information. Right. But I, I really felt that I, it was the only way I knew to uh-huh. introduce her to my 17-year-old self mm-hmm. and hopefully take a bit of that pain away. Right. So was it healing for her? It was. It was. There okay. was a lot in there that she had no idea. That, right. Right. Because when, when I went to every visit, I might have been an emotional mess inside, mm-hmm. but that's not the face I show up. Exactly. I show up. I'm exactly. on best behavior. Exactly. Yes. I know they can close this adoption at any point in time, so yes. I don't show anything. Right. So all that she ever saw of me was I was this person who uh-huh. was so happy mm-hmm. to have placed her, mm-hmm. and she never saw all that right. heartache. Right. And and in her view, it looked like I was just like. It was just nothing to me, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. couldn't. That couldn't have been further from the truth. So I'm so glad. You, I'm so glad you brought that out because I think a lot of moms look at that same thing. Because just as you say, that, that situation at whatever age they gave birth is completely different to whatever age that they're in connection with her. And for her knowing you, and she's been in connection with you for over 18 years. Think about, I also think about for the children who have not had that ongoing relationship. Then they meet because the first thing my son would say, I didn't know about you. He wasn't told he found out at 13. So it was like in his mind, who is she? Who is she as a person? And, and he didn't have any answers to that until we met in reunion. And it was him realizing when he heard from me the situation. And I remember him saying, I understand. I understand. Because he didn't understand before. How could he understand? If you, if you don't know the story, you don't know what the story is, quite frankly. And that's so important, as you just said, those, some of those three things you said had to, had to happen is that she will always know she's adopted, that know that you're in her life, and that force in foster care, if those were the three I remember. And it's so important. And I've heard therapists and, and just professionals and whatever, 
when you deny, and that's what some of the adoptees would say today, when you deny that transparency and their story, it's their story. It's like their story, but you don't want to tell it. It's like their story and they don't have a right to. They do have a right to know. That's why I say legacy, uh, heritage and whatever, where they come from. Because they're newborn, typically newborn, whatever, I say less than a year old, typically I would think for is in most uh, birth uh, adoptions. But they have a history behind that. Even though they're newborn, they, they've been around that mom for nine months growing. <laughs> That's how I put it. And that growth itself is from the seed and from that mother. And those commonalities, I mean, you can't take it away from nature and nurture, nature and nurture. So if you had three things you would tell moms, birth moms, and the process of healing, what you've done, what has worked, and where your mindset is, because we already know, Alicia, that you were 17, so you're progressive and independent and mature. All that set aside, what this is some deep stuff emotionally. So talk more about how you, how you've made it through and how you're making it through because this isn't over. All right, so three things. My first one would be you don't become a birth mom because one unfortunate thing happened, right? right. Nobody became nobody became a birth mom because they got pregnant and weren't expecting it. Right. They got right. pregnant and weren't expecting it, and they didn't have the support or mm-hmm. the money or mm-hmm. the skills or the abilities or the community. Some that most birth moms have multiple traumas stacked on traumas. Yes. yes. And losing a kid to adoption is a grief riddled experience enough on its own. Mm-hmm. But when you have stacks of trauma, mm-hmm. therapy is needed. Yes. And therapy is required. Go to therapy. Yes. I just just go. Yeah. So there's my yeah. first one. Yeah. And if you don't click with your therapist, find somebody else. You Thank don't have you. to like the first one. Go Absolutely. interview five of them if you want. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's my first one. Mm-hmm. The second one would be the thing that helped, that really helped for to make us have the future that I wanted for us was that we held space for each other. Mm. Everybody in my life knew about her. Okay. And no secrets. I, no secrets. Mm-hmm. And the people, my coworkers know about her. I've had, I had a boss once who thought that I was painfully emotionally immature or I would know better and would keep that a secret, mm-hmm. um, which told me that was not the right job for me. Right? <laughs> so th- there was definite negative impact in my willingness to always right. be upfront about this because right. this is taboo. We don't talk about these Mm-mm. things. Mm-mm. But my willingness to do that and to take those consequences got me the consequence that I really wanted, which is yeah. now I get an awesome relationship. Yes. When she she was a bridesmaid in my wedding, when wow. people know, when people meet her and I say, yep, I have a one-year-old and a 21-year-old <laughs> uh, that, that, yep, they, I get a lot of looks, but she's not a surprise to anybody. And right. so she fits. It's not mm-hmm. trying to shove her into a life. There's mm-hmm. always been room for her here. Right, right. And uh, the third one, how how you heal. So there's an interesting book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And it's a business book. Mm-hmm. But if you think just about the title, mm-hmm. What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Right. The title, the, the skills that you develop to survive tough times mm-hmm. are not the skills you need to grow into peaceful times, and they're not the skills you need to thrive when everything is happy. 
And if you, if you figure out how to survive when you're really young and you mm-hmm. figure out how to get through the really hard, painful things when right. you're really young, while everybody else is learning how to date, how to make friends, how to go to job interviews, right? You are on a different path of skill building. Mm-hmm. You're not behind. You're not ahead. You're on a different path. And in that moment, you feel behind, right? Your, fr- mm-hmm. your friends finished college. They got internships. They're starting to build lives. And you are just barely scraping by. But that's because you were concentrated somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And it is okay to be on a totally different path than other people. Yes. Just don't stop. Just recognize you still have more skills to learn. You're going right. to learn them at a different time right. in a different way. But keep right. going. Absolutely. I like that. You know, and what I got out of the last thing for is you need to develop your own path and be willing to walk that path and not bring a crowd with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Not bring a crowd with you because your focus, the focus is my favorite word, your focus on where you're going because it's up to you. It's up to you because no matter what happens to you, as you said, that you set that path. It doesn't matter what happens to you. It's only what, what only thing that matters is how you react to it. How you react to it and make that decision of the path where you're going to go. But tell us more, the title of your book and how people can get a hold of it. Sure. Um, it's called Redefining Family, A Birth mm-hmm. Mother's Path to Wholeness. Okay. And you can find that book and everything else I've written. It's all at my website. Uh, it's at A.K. Snyder Books. Dot com. Okay. And uh, you, can, you can order it on Amazon and everywhere, but all the links will from my website will get right. you there. Right. And I try to, uh, it's, it's not a rainbows and unicorn story. It's okay. also not an anti-adoption story. Mm-hmm. It is the experience, the way I experienced it. And I mm-hmm. tried to be very, very honest about all right. the highs and all the lows. Right. Uh, in my situation, we did have a happy ending. We had as good of a situation as you can get. Mm-hmm. It has turned out well, and it was full of pain anyway. Right. Uh, but right. hopefully having a space to see somebody's story and connect with them can help somebody else out. Absolutely. It's a life story. And like you say, I like that the last phrase you said, it doesn't, you can have, there is going to be joy and pain. There's doing joy and pain in your life. And just because there's pain doesn't mean you're going to have joy during your life. End of your life, it's just as you're talking about, you've got a good relationship now and you're steadily building. Because again, lifelong, you know, don't get caught up in, well, if I don't, this doesn't work out or the first time with a therapy or even the first time in reunion or dealing with or connecting to your child or the child connecting to the mom. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean it's going to work that first time. It's going to be that roller coaster. That roller coaster is going to throw you off some days because sometimes I'm off the rail. I'm like off the rail completely. I got to pull myself back up to even get on the roller coaster, but that's okay. That's okay because I've got the effort, the energy, and the fortitude and the perseverance and determination to do that. And that's what it takes. So any last thoughts, Alicia? Uh, my my last thought is I keep hearing birth moms talk about shame. Mm-hmm. And if that is pulling you down, mm-hmm. address that first. Mm-hmm. The shame will sabotage everything else you're right. trying to do. Right. So dig in, find Brene Brown or any other expert right. who deals in shame right. and start tackling there so that you can ditch that and yeah. move forward. 
Absolutely. Do your mirror work, I like to say. Look mm-hmm. yourself in the mirror, recognize, and love yourself. Write a no, love letter to yourself. Of person you have to be to yes. will break your own heart for yeah. the sake of your kid. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. This has been awesome, wonderful. You've been listening to Birth Moms Real Talk podcast. I guess Alicia, and say the name of your title again of your book. Redefining Family, A Birth Mother's Path to Wholeness. Very good by A.K. Snyder. Tune Thank in. You. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please, when you listen to this podcast, please leave comments. Give us a review on Apple because that helps us to grow. I am so overcome with we are in season two. Um, this is probably, I think, episode probably 30, 32. We've got over 225,000 people have reached, over 10,000 downloads. It's growing. And I'm like, it's needed. People tell me that all the time. Everybody listens, uh, adoptees, birth moms, and so forth. So keep it keep it going. We have a birth moms, a real talk village, which is that private. Everyone doesn't want to do a podcast. Everybody doesn't want to go public. I understand that. But along with, we have a place for you too. So send any request or information you may want to info at birthmomsrealtalk.com. And if you'd like to share your story, please go on our website, www.birthtalksrealtalk to submit your story and you can be on a podcast just like Alicia. Thank you so much, Alicia. Thank you. I appreciate it. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening into Birth Moms Real Talk, where birth mothers share their journeys and we have an open and honest conversation about adoption. If you would like to share your story or you have any comments, you can reach us at birthmomsrealtalk.com or email us at Yvonne at birthmomsrealtalk.com. If you like what you heard, we would appreciate your support on Patreon as a supporter. Find out more on our website. Tune in next time. See you then. Thank you.